Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2172. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Califon, New Jersey. Interesting little story about that city's name, but maybe we'll bring that up in our talk today with a very special guest by the name of Dennis Kazmorowski. His friends call him Dennis Kaz. Dennis, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, absolutely, Mark. Ready. You've uh, released a lot of clutches in your life, and we're going to be talking about your life, your the fun you've had, but also about a very special build. But before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into that, what's maybe one little thing people don't know about you, Dennis? Well, you know, a lot of people, I've done a lot of builds in, in my life, Mark, and a lot of people say, oh my God, you must have such a big garage and a big shop. And it's, uh, quite frankly, it's just a two-car garage behind my house. And most important thing is I just have a lot of friends that help. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. And the great thing about the car world, the car hobby, racing world, is everybody's friends. Uh, I raced vintage cars for a long time, and I was shocked that when I would have trouble at a track and need a part, just jump on a bike or a pit bike and ride around and say, I'm looking for a clutch for a 67 sports racer. Anybody got one? <laughs> yeah, I've got one here. You can borrow it. You know, And uh, it's a great world that we live in, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a, an exceptional uh, community, and even from the the big people all the way down. So it's just it's just exceptional. It is real fun. So let me give you a proper introduction. Dennis Kazmarowski, and again his friends call him Dennis Kaz, started racing way back in 1974 in his early 20s, and a few years later he won the Mid Atlantic Race Series. Nice job. He's raced everything from FV. FF, GT1 Corvette, GTP, and Camel Lights, that's cool, WSC Series, and many others. His racing days overlapped with cars that he's modified and built from scratch, as he mentioned, in that garage behind his house. His builds have been featured in a multitude of magazines, including Road & Track, Sports Car International, Corvette Quarterly, Porsche Panorama, and VW Porsche Magazines. He also maintains a collection for a private collector that includes post-war through modern cars. And at 75 years old, I think that's a young 75, he's still having fun in his garage with a latest project, which we're going to learn about today, a complete build-out of a vintage vintage 1958 Lamar Coupe designed by Strother McMahon. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsors. They keep the fuel in our gas tanks. We'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guard for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft. Too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word YA, Y E A H. 
21 at checkout. Yeah, 21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. Auto Geeks Blackfire SIO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. Auto Geek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant is a spray-on, wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire Spray Sealant takes advantage of of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. So, Dennis, we are back. We're going to dive a little deeper into the corner. This world around racing goes way back to 1974. Now, when I say the words 1974, it doesn't feel like that long ago because I was in high school and I'm like, wait a minute, that was a little ways back. I must be getting a little old. Uh, How did you first get into this world of racing? Well, you know, obviously, um, you know, my dad and my brother and I always went down. We grew up in Maryland and we went down the Marlboro Raceway. And in those days... In the 60s, you could watch Donahue and Penske and Walt Hanskin and Herb Wettinson and all the all the greats that were running Trans Am and Parnelli Jones and AJ Ford. They would come to these little tracks, and the tra- these were all part of the Trans Am series. And uh, we would go down there, and we would watch, you know, the nationals and the regionals. And Marlboro was a was pretty much of an innovative type of track, and they had. Uh, the winter nationals that they used to call it, and they would would have the refrigerator cup, which you would run literally in the in the middle of uh, winter time. And they also had the Marlboro Six Hour, and the Marlboro Six Hour was actually guys like Jackie Stewart raced a wow. Lotus uh, a Lotus in, at the Marlboro uh, Cup and the Six Hours, and it was just it was a lot of fun. It was a track that was very, very active in the D.C. region. So, you know, I had I got bitten by this early. And as um, soon as I could afford a race car, I, you know, bought myself and built a Formula V and went on from there. So it was fun. 
Absolutely fun. Yeah, starting Formula V, I started vintage racing in a Formula Junior, a Lotus 18. And the Formula V guys was a very large group in our group, which I ran with Sovereign. I mean, it was like a whole bunch of bumblebees just buzzing all around the track. And I thought, those guys, while they weren't going as fast as the the faster cars, and I wasn't really either. I was lumped in with the Formula Fords, which were faster than me. But the Formula V guys looked like they were having fun. So that's a great way to start. But you progressed rather rapidly up into some serious cars. I mean, racing Corvettes, GTP, and Camel Lights. So this progression, how did that happen? Well, you know, in our in our personal business, we started doing better and better. And, you know, it's uh, obviously you meet more and more people. And the Camel Light car was, uh, you know, was a Porsche Camel Light car built by a fat car. There was only two of them ever made. And, um, you know, it was it was the kind of car that was an introduction to the Camel Lights. It was maybe not the front runner, but it was a very competitive car. And, uh, you know, when you meet a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, a friend of mine, uh, Peter Dow, owned a, a race shop. And also he built race engines for Porsches. And I said, Peter, I'm going to buy a, a Camel Light car. I said, I'm going to buy a fab car. I said, you do the engine. I own the car and we'll go racing. Nice. <laughs> that's exactly what that's exactly what we did. And we ran, you know, we ran it for a couple of years and we had a lot of fun. I mean, I, we had a blast. Absolute blast. We, uh, you know, there are memories that I, I hope uh, will never be erased. And Peter remains such a good friend of mine today. How fun. Now, were you building cars just for yourself throughout all this time period? Because you mentioned another business that was doing well. What was that business that enabled you to, to play with race cars and go out and race? But you were, were you also building cars for other people? No, no, not really. Uh, my wife and I were in the ski clothing business, and we've been in that all, all our lives. Now, we spent 45 years there in the ski clothing business, and we represented as reps. You know, we had territories, and, uh, you know, we were we represented some of the, the finest and the best uh, ski clothing companies you know, in the world. And, you know, it, it grew and grew and grew, and, and we got took on some other reps and so on and so forth. And the after a while, after 45 years in that business, it was it was enough. Uh, we knew our our accounts weren't accounts of ours anymore. They were all close friends, and it got to the point where we not only knew our accounts' kids, but we started knowing our the accounts' kids' kids. And I turned to Kara one day and said, "We're just getting too old for this. They lug they lug all these these big bags around and stuff like that, and set up the shows and so on." We just retired, but it was a, it was a great ride, just a great ride. You know, I think back when I was in junior high and high school, I skied a lot. It was part of our ski club we had in our high school, and I think of ski clothes. The first name that comes to mind, which was really cool in the seventies, was Rafi. Did you ever manage that? No, um, no, we didn't. But we carried a company called Head Head Skiwear, oh, yeah. uh, which you yeah. would know. I mean, Head Tennis and Skiwear and. Those were the days they were owned owned by uh, AMF, and AMF in the days uh, ran commercials uh, on ABC, Warwater Sports, and ESPN, and so on and so forth. They ran commercials, We Make Weekends, and they owned Harley-Davidson, they owned Hatteras Yachts, they owned Sunfish Sailboats, they owned Ski Tennis, Ski ski Wear, and uh, Head Skis as well. And um, it was a it was a great company, just a great company. We left them after I don't know, I think twenty five years, and went on to work for a company called CB Sports. And that back east here was almost a cult. It was uh, it was everybody was everybody was wearing a CB jacket. Thank God. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 
it was great. As I said before, Mark, it was it was a great ride, and we couldn't have done it any better. Yeah, how and fun. had more fun. Well, a mutual acquaintance of ours who's been a past guest here, Jeffrey Hacker, who is known for mm-hmm. finding some very unique and wild, crazy cars, called me and said, Mark, there's a car being built by a guy named Dennis that you need to talk to him about and bring forefront. And it, you know how he gets so excited about these things. So let's talk about what you're doing here. It's a 1958 now, that was a great year because that was the year I was born. A Lamar Coupe uh, designed by Strother McMinn. Tell us about this car, why it's important, and why you chose this to rebuild this thing. Well, that's um, – I'm glad we got some time because I was on the <laughs> phone with Jeff, and Jeff's, Jeff's a good friend of mine. And uh, I'm telling you, Jeffrey is um, – he is truly – the automotive archaeologist. Yes. This guy knows where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling does. you right now. He, he's just incredible. And we were having a conversation, and he said to me, Dennis, in all the cars that you've done, what car would you really like to own? I said, Jeff, I would love to own the car that was on the cover of Road and Track in 1960. And they started making these in 57 and 58, the Le Mans Coupe. He says, well, you can't have that one. I said, okay, well, thanks. <laughs> And uh, he said that car was absolutely destroyed, went over the hill, the Malibu Canyon, and it broke up into like three, four hundred pieces. And he says it was never rebuilt, just thrown in the garbage, and that was it. However, I do know where a body is. I said, oh, come on, Jeff. Of course not. <laughs> he does yeah. know where all the bodies are, doesn't he? <laughs> he says, no, I know where there is a body out in California. It's been sitting outside for 60 years. I said, give me the guy's number. He said, he gave me the guy's number. And I called the gentleman, great guy, absolutely great guy. And we were talking and I, and I said to him, how do you, are you ever going to finish this car? I've had it 25 years. And I said, what are you going to do with it? And he says, I'm going to take it to Bonneville. He says, that's what my goal is. I said, well, you know, I said, how old are you? He said, 65. I said, well, if you've owned it for 25 years and you want to take it to Bonneville and you're 65, by my calculation, you'll be at Bonneville by the time you're 90. Yeah, good luck so, with that. <laughs> you'll be like the world's fastest Indian guy, right? <laughs> yeah, so I said, I like to buy the, the body. And, uh, you know, we went back and forth and he finally, you know, sold it to me. And it was just a shell. Just the shell. I mean, there was no inner pieces to it, no doors cut out, no windows, no hood, nothing, just the shell and a thin one at that. And it had been sitting out in the California sun for 60 years and um, started to take its own shape. When I got it back home here, you know, my wife, who supports me in all this craziness in a very big way, literally walked outside and said, you have absolutely lost it. You know, she saw them. She says, you know, I don't know if I can support you in this one. I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll think. And then I was talking to Jeff and he said to me, Dennis, you'll, if you, if you finish the car, if you build the car, you'll never have another car that will be more important than this. And I started digging around and yeah, it's got some great history. Strother McMinn was, was a professor at the art center. And um, he was very influential for a lot of people that uh, went into racing and the Corvette people who designed Corvettes. Uh, Pete Brock was one of his students. Oh, okay. And um, yeah. It, uh, yeah, and the more and the more I get into this, the more I find out. And then, you know, I got a call through Jeff uh, to bring the car unfinished to Eyes on Design in Michigan that took place at the uh, Henry Ford estate. And um, they said they would take it any way I could bring it. And it was unfinished, uh, work in progress. And I was uh, fortunate enough by friends that we got it into into a charcoal primer and um, almost black. And it it just, it sat at the GM Rotunda 
And I was on a symposium with people talking about this car and Strother McMenon. And it was fabulous. It's well, fabulous. There's a great story, and I'll put a link to it on Hemmings, uh, that uh, has a picture of the car, I believe, as you got it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the photos were courtesy of Jeff. How would you, and this is interesting because you've been around so many cool cars. I mean, I look at this car and it has all sorts of interesting elements. First word that comes to my mind is swoopy. It's just fluid and swoopy and long, but it also has some of these other elements that I see in sections of the car that make me think about other cars. It has kind of almost a cove like the old Corvettes and maybe even Austin Healey's. Um, but it's some, it's like something you've never seen. How would you describe to somebody who has never seen one of these, this shape? Well, I would, in all, all honesty, Mark, I would, it's really timeless. When this car is sat in this rotunda, in the GM rotunda, and it was with the Corvette C8. There were only two cars in the rotunda at that for the symposium. Mm-hmm. And I turned to my wife and I said, "You know what? This uh, the styling of this car. The lines are timeless. Think back in '55, '56, '57. Everybody was trying to outdo themselves. And if you picked up a Popular Science, or if you picked up a uh, some other the car magazines, everybody had jet engine tubes down the side or down the middle of the car and you know, this car really is a timeless type of shape to it. And it's it's incredible. I mean, it, it could be as much of a concept car today as anything. It's quite spectacular. So as you stand back and look at this and your wife looks at you and says, you're completely nuts, Dennis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not the first time she said yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe not. I've heard that from my wife a few times too. How do you tackle a project like this when you start with basically of as you say a very thin sun-drenched shell to bring it back to its former life its former glory well you know it's um you know i started with a frame you know the, the, there were four magazines there were four articles in road and track about building this car and what they did was road and track was never really had an intention of building a car for le mans but they kind of threw it out there for their audience and their readers to take on this project. And a couple guys did. But when the car, when the body came, I, I held true to the 48-inch track, 88 to 90-inch wheelbase, and so on, and tried to build the car around that. And there were several ways I could do Mark, I, I've never had the kind of money to go to a restoration shop and say, here, take yeah, yeah, 300000 yeah. or 400000 Yeah. You know, I had to do a lot of this myself with the help of a lot of my friends. And, um, you know, we stayed true to that and, and so on. And it just became little bit by little bit, you know, it was the body was real thin. We had to turn it upside down and reinforce it in spots. And, you know, we had to straighten pieces out because it started to, to warp because of the sun uh, out in California or wherever it would have sat. And um, it's it was really quite a project, but it started coming along and coming along and coming along, and it's it's turned out pretty cool, pretty cool. And where are you at with this project today? We're just about ready to fire it up. The engine's in. The engine was in in Michigan. Uh, transmission, all the drive train is in. You know, um, all the fuel cell. The only thing I really did 
with this car is uh, because uh, we plan to use it a little bit more than, you know, just having to sit around. Um, mm -hmm. I upgraded the brakes um, to proper brakes, and I up upgraded the fuel tank as compared to just grabbing a fuel tank from a 55 Chevy or something like that. I put a proper fuel tank in it. So so what's the engine? The engine is is a three, uh, 283, all right? And um, that's what it was done back in the day. That's what the engine was. They were running 283, 327s in, the, in these cars. And, you know, as I said, I had two ways to go. One way I couldn't afford. And the other way, I was just going to build this like you would build it back in the day, just 60 years later. Mm -hmm. Do my own welding, make my own frame, take apart from this car, take apart from that car. You know, and when they made these bodies and when they made the buck, these were guys not with five axis machines. You know, Mark, they... And they didn't have uh, the use of clay. It was chicken wire and, and plaster of Paris and, you know, plaster and body filler. And this is how they made these bucks back in the day. And, uh, you know, we just we just decided that we were going to do. I'll tell you a funny story. I had three friends I called one night and I said, look, tomorrow I'm putting the engine in, but I don't have the engine mounts made yet. Can you come over and give me a hand? All three guys showed up. One guy showed up in a 32 Ford. The other guy showed up in a 50, 59 El Camino. <laughs> nice. And the other guy showed up in a 53 Chevy convertible. And all three guys were wearing T-shirts with cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves. <laughs> and, their, and, their, and their hair slicked back and said, we're ready to work. Nice. <laughs> so uh, it was cool. cool. It was really cool. I have a picture of it. It's really, it's really sharp. It really is. They're fun guys. You so. know, I like to ask people about what I call our driving inspirations, people that have been influential, inspiring in their lives. In taking on this project and looking at what uh, McMinn designed are you really, or did you in, in go into this whole thing with that inspiration in mind? Like, how, what was he thinking? What was he doing? Did you try to somewhat get into his mind and headset as an inspiration? Well, you know, they, as I said, there were four articles in, in Road and Track, and, you know, they showed different pictures and pictures of, you know, designed by Struther McMinn. And, you know, the car on the cover of Road and Track had gullwing doors. The, the design by Struther McMinn was a suicide door, more than, you know, open, hinged in, in the back and so on. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to cut out the door, I'm going to cut it out as it is in the picture uh, in Road and Track, not in the car that was on the cover of Road and Track built by Alton Johnson. But so I, I cut out the door and obviously it was very flimsy and so on. But then I realized why Alton Johnson made going doors because I couldn't get in and I couldn't get out. <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was just so now I realized, you know, how, why they did this. And I had to glass all that door back in again and then cut out uh, what I would consider the markings for a going door and make all that reinforcement underneath there to, you know, to hold everything. And it was, uh, you know, I was working on this thing just to just to get it to ice on design. I had almost 800 hours in it. Wow, and um, you know, I was working on it. My wife is uh, had a, unfortunately had a car accident, you know, twelve years ago, and she's a little compromised walking. So you know, I had to make sure she was taken care of. And I had then I, I was out there at three o'clock in the morning, and one time I said to myself, "Geez, uh, Alton, how would how would how did you do this? You know, I mean, I'm just trying to try." Then I figured, nah, maybe I better go inside in case this guy shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, it, it's so wonderful that you brought this back to life. We're going to take a short break and we come back. I want to ask you about some of the challenges you faced 
in creating, recreating this beautiful vehicle. So keep that in mind. We'll be right back. Okay, perfect. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. You know what? We are all wired differently, and not everyone needs to go to a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and one can build a solid career as an auto, diesel, or collision technician. There are no longer blue-collar jobs, they're new-collar careers, as the technology and skill sets have become so advanced. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars yeah charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org. I like to ask my guests what I call the challenge question. Usually it's about something in their career, their life, but let's stick to this beautiful build what were some of the challenges you faced? You mentioned one about the doors and realizing, okay, now I see why he did what he did. What were some of the other challenges you faced? Well, as I said, it was just the shell. So there was nothing really holding the body up. So you had to make all the inner structure to it. You know, you had to make a front engine cowl. You had to, you know, it was just, it was just a shell. And interestingly enough, somewhere along the line, you know, you saw the scallops that are on the side of the car both the, that follow or flow to the front of the wheel, as well as the ones that go behind the wheel, as, as you would have in a 57 Corvette type of thing, and the scallop that goes around that. Uh, they were missing. Somewhere along the line, somebody said, oh, I don't like these. I'm just going to fill these in. Oh, gosh. So that whole that whole thing was, was missing. So I went to a couple guys, friends of mine, and they said, ah, you know, just cut a little triangle on a squeegee and just, you know, just go around like that and fill it in and, and so on and so on. That's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And and God forbid somebody hits it or rubs up against it. And all of a sudden, I got a chunk missing right. out of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I tell you, Mark, it's amazing what you can find in Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now <laughs> really, you've intrigued me. I'm walking through there and there's fiberglass crown molding that goes in the corner of walls and it's a triangle and it's got like a little curve to it, like a little crown to the back of it. And I'm thinking, you know what, this just might work. And I came home and I shaved to a complete triangle. And uh, then the stuff was so flexible, it bent all around, you know, I I panel bonded on and then we, you know, put fiberglass over top of that. And it's as solid as can be. It's just amazing. Just, (laughs) you know, I I was dreading the fact I was putting that off and putting that off and putting it off. And I said, I just got to try to figure this out. And um, it was it was just amazing how well it worked out. 
when so, you look at that design element on the car, it, it beckons me to go back to cars like the old Taubo Lagos and some of the beautiful cars from the uh, 30s and even 40s with these pieces of stainless uh, you know, or nickel coated or before they were doing chrome of beautiful curved pieces of metal. And you think, how on earth did they do that? But they didn't have Home Depot back then. So, you know, <laughs> it's a different world. Well, they were... They were really quite craftsmen, you know, I mean, it was just, I mean, what people could do with their hands. Uh, as I said before, you know, today is today is a world of five axis machines, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the old clay guys and the guys that would do it with clay. And you would see pictures of them just, you know, with cheese graters going down and just trying to smooth something out and shaping it and then sanding it down in clay and all that. You know, those, in essence, those days are gone. You know, and consequently, you know, a lot of these cars look the same. Well, there what you can go. I tell you? Cookie cutter cars. Now, tell me a little bit about the wheels, because I love the wheels on this thing. They have elements of some styling, like road going cars, but also kind of uh, racy looking with. Is that a real knockoff hub? No, that 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 uh, that wheel that is there is actually a hubcap. Uh-huh. And what oh, okay. I did, I, okay. I, I found through Jeff. Jeffrey, you know, pictures of this car being built by Alton Johnson. And there are several pictures of this car with those hubcaps on the car back in the day in 1957. And I went and I I purchased these hubcaps and uh, it just, uh, everybody loved them. Everybody has loved them. And it just looks so right for the car. It's incredible. You know, it's um, it's really good. I, it's it's a nice find because, if you know, you can drive yourself nuts trying to match a wheel that might look right for a certain car. And you could go through three or four, five different sets before you finally land on one that, that really works and you're happy with. But this, this turned out to be pretty good. You know, the picture you sent me at first, I thought that looked like a Halibrand wheel. Uh, when you go back and think about the old Halibrand racing wheels and magnesium wheels and mm-hmm. Kitty bean designs and and all that, but uh, it looks stunning. Yeah, it turns it turn and it's it's stunning on black, you know, on the color on the charcoal, you know, primer that's that's basically on that right now. And trying to figure out a color. But, well, um, yeah, exactly. I, I like to ask my guests about what I call our special vehicles in their life. When you look back through all the builds, all the cars you've raced and done, is do you look at this vehicle as kind of a culmination of? All those skill sets and learning lessons of working in the garage and welding and cutting and fabricating. Is that what this, I mean, is, would you call this a pretty darn special vehicle for your for your life? Well, I would because I don't think, um, you know, I've built a lot of cars. I've changed a lot of cars. I, I've taken body pieces that I know already exist and, and feathered them into something else to create what, I, what a division that I wanted. But I never really had one that, Okay, we're starting from scratch. You know, we're basically starting from scratch. You know, you got to do your own frame, your own doors, make your own, make sure you make patterns for the windows and so on and so forth, the windshield and the rear window, and you got to cut them out. You got to, and it's hard to, to cut something out symmetrically when the body wasn't symmetrical from side to side. And so it's, it's really hard. You got to stand back. Thank God I had during the winter, I had a friend of mine that had a large body shop and he let me, Go in there uh, in a two-car garage, standing over something. It's very hard to, to get do. Back, yeah. Very, very hard. Get back to see. You got to step back 15, 20 feet, push something outside, see if it's right, and then you know try to change it all along the way. 
And yeah, this was this has really been one of the most difficult, but probably one of the most rewarding. You know, I hope other people will get a chance to enjoy it. You know, maybe we'll take it to some major shows and stuff like that. Well, I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's why you look at manufacturers that do these clay models so you can see things in real life and stand back because it's just not the same looking at on a computer screen. It may look really great, but then when you make it life-size, it's not quite right sometimes we've seen plenty of cars that don't look quite right sometimes so yeah that was a fortunate thing to have that buddy yeah you know it's it's funny you say that because there are you know designers design uh but sometimes practicality's gotta play into this sometimes their design just doesn't work and it's it's i can only imagine being with a major manufacturer where a designer designs and he puts it out and gives it to a to the other people the other teams and they you know he says hey make this work and you, you know, those guys must be going crazy that's you why i'm just you, trying to yeah. that's why you end up with a pontiac aztec <laughs> <laughs> you know? so true so true but that that car just might surprise us someday it's so ugly it might just come back as something very rare so well, whatever yeah that's for, that's for sure sorry aztec uh, i'm sure that was designed by uh, a bunch of people Certainly in the not kitchen in my, yeah throwing salt right. into the not soup. In my, not in my lifetime i can uh, tell you that yeah so. probably not so i'm going to be your car psychologist here dennis kind of crawl into your head a little mm-hmm. bit here if you okay. were reincarnated as a vehicle manifest as a vehicle not what you want to be but how you perceive your life around cars what would you be but more importantly why you know what i i would come back as a, a dually pickup truck okay and <laughs> because you can do anything and everything with it you really can you know you can take it to the grocery store you can tow your trailer with it you can pick the kids up at school you can throw stuff out in the in the back it's really an all-purpose thing and i've always had dually pickups um, for probably for the last 30, 40, 40 years. One time I wanted a van uh, with a dually back to it. And I took my van that I had, which was a diesel van, and cut it in half. I made my own van up. <laughs> That's cool. And I walked I walked into a dealer, a Ford dealership one day because I needed a, um, a relay that only I tried two or three different relays aftermarket and they just didn't work. So I decided to go into the Ford dealership buy it right off of a Ford product and so on. And the the sales manager runs out and says, you're the one. I said, what? What are you talking about? He says, I've had three or four people coming in here asking where they can buy a half van, half pickup. He says, yeah, they think, I said, we don't make it. And they said, oh, yeah, you do. Right. (laughs) You know, so anyway, that was was fun. I've always had, that's what I would be. I would would really like to be a... I, I, I love my, my dually pickup. I really do. You know, it's funny, a uh, company I used to work with, we had a company truck that was back when Ford, uh, the 350s they were making, I think it was the V10 engine. Mm-hmm. And at, for fun, a friend of mine said, because at the time uh, Ferrari was running the V10 F1 racing engines, he goes, oh, you've got a Ford Ari. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, oh, yeah, I laughed. And so we got a Ford RE personalized license plate. We put Ferrari badging on it, took all the Ford badging off and put Ferrari badging on it. And I had that one weekend I was using it for something, I forget. And I was at a gas station. This lady said, I didn't know Ferrari made a truck. And I go, yeah, it's a Ford RE. She goes, Wow. That's pretty cool. And to this day, I thought she went home and probably told her husband, I saw a Ford Ari, Ferrari truck. And he was like, they don't make those. Yeah, I saw one. It was at the gas station. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot of smiles from that with the uh, Ferrari badging. Even had the shields on the side uh, like the Ferrari car. So 
fine, fine stuff. How about I drove it? that I I drove that truck of mine to four hundred, five hundred thousand miles. Oh my it was God. just unbelievable. Wow. Wow, that's just cool. incredible. So. What fun. Having fun in life. So is there a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, I I truly enjoyed it. And I just read it again. Uh, the unfair advantage, which uh-huh. you know, which uh, gives the the history of uh, really Penske and Donahue and so on. It's it's just just incredible. You know, those were the those were the days back in the Can Am and the nine seventeens, and it was just magical times. It was a it, oh magical, and you know, the Can Am series was uh, so innovative, and it was run what you brung in, and uh, you know, it was just these things were bullets. You know, you just you know seven hundred, eight hundred horsepower, and then you look at the the Porsche that put out twelve hundred horsepower. Oh, and, yeah, I mean, it was. It's just incredible. It's hard. It's hard to even fathom, you know, how how that that could be. And when Porsche was doing this 917, they had a telescopic car. They couldn't settle on a wheelbase, so they had a telescopic frame that they used, and they would test it. Oh wow! And it was and and how they would ex- extend the car. They would bring different sized doors. Oh, that's okay. what they would do. Yeah. Yeah. And they would extend it right there. And it was just, you know, you think, oh, how that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, here you have the engineers. I had a friend of mine that worked at Pratt Miller. And he says, you know, Dennis, we have probably 35 engineers here and seven CNC machines. And I still go out in the shop and I see guys making cutboard cutouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for things. He yeah. says it's just it you know, he says it's just amazing to me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had uh Mark's son David Donahue on the show a few months ago and we talked about that book and his father a little bit and some of the incredible vehicles he strapped himself into and brave fellow, but uh, Mark Donahue was also an engineer in mind and uh, you know, could offer that feedback to Penske and others he drove for to uh make these cars so successful. So Well I I think that combination I think that combination of the two were just just great. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think you could have found a better match between the two of them. Right. Yeah. Quite amazing. So I'm going to enable you to go on the, what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to buy any vehicle in the world. Nice guy that I am. I'm going to park it in your garage and you can take it and drive it anywhere you'd like. But here's the key. You can take somebody with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us, which opens up all sorts of opportunities. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Wow, that's a that's a interesting question, Mark. Wide open you know, checkbook. <laughs> um, yeah, wide open checkbook. Um, who would I would take on a trip with me? Okay, it's going to be. Do you, you mind three part? That's okay. No, you yeah. don't. Right? Yeah. No, okay, whatever you want. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get into a navy blue with a saddle interior, interior a '64 Ford Glab side Cobra. Okay. And I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to drive down the coast highway with my wife. And uh, we're going we're gonna to drive for a couple hours, and she's going to enjoy the sunrise and so on and so forth. And <laughs> so on. we're going to stop. We're going to stop for breakfast. And then I'm going to, at that stop, at that restaurant, I'm going to pick up Dan Gurney. Ah. I'm going to take him, I'm gonna take him <laughs> nice. for the rest of the trip uh, to lunch. And then uh, after, after that, I'm going to pick up Pete Brock. And uh, we're going to finish the, the day with him. Nice. And um, that would that would be just a fabulous trip. And I'm going to have dinner at a restaurant for eight to ten people. And it's going to be Bruce Kennepa and Bill Warner and Bruce Myers and Dan Gurney and Pete Brock, myself, my wife. You can come along, Mark, if well, you like. Thank you. I would uh, be, Jeff, I'd Jeff. love to be at that dinner table. 
Jeff Hacker, and I'll throw in Kevin Jeanette. I don't know if you know Kevin, but he's a kick. He really is a wow. kick. Wow. You know, that's a very unique answer to that question. You took it into some very fun places that nobody has. So I like your open mind thinking here. Since it's my checkbook, why not, right? Uh, I think that's sure. pretty good. But <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty neat. You know, I... I've become friends with Pete and Gail Brock, and my wife and I spent a weekend with them a while back, and they took us Saturday morning. They said, hey, you guys want to go to a Cars and Coffee here? They were living, they had moved from Seattle here to Henderson, and we both drove, Gail drove one of their Daytona Coupes, Pete drove one of them, and I'm thinking, I'm going to a Cars and Coffee in a Daytona Coupe with Peter Brock and his wife, Gail, my wife. I mean, how much better could it get than this? Oh, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, a little bit. I think your your drive is even more wild when you add Dad Gurney to the picture. Uh, yeah, that would be ah uh, nicely thought through, well, my friend. Yeah, think, just think about Dan Gurney for a second. At one time in Indianapolis in the 500, 33 cars started. 21 of them were Eagles. Yeah. Think about that. It's amazing. 21 cars out of the 33 were Eagles. Just incredible. Brilliant. Brilliant driver, but more so designer, engineer, uh, thought provoker. You know, I mean, just a wonderful guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad. So glad that uh, he was in all the racing world's lives. I'm so sad I never got him on the show. I had him scheduled many times and we had to cancel because his health was declining and uh, just never could get him back in his final days. But, you know, he was his assistant would call and say he's just not up for it today. But the guy was just working, working, working. All the time, always thinking, always doing things. So, yeah, great legacy for sure. So you've taken us on a marvelous ride today. Uh, this car you're putting together, put together is fantastic. Uh, a big shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend, Jeff Hacker. For you listeners, if you missed my talk with Jeff, he's been on the show. So you can find him on the Cars yeah website. Before I let you go, Dennis, could you share some words of inspiration, a mantra, a quote, or something that might inspire those listening today? Well, you know, I think you have to, if you have a dream, you have to pursue it. You know, uh, you can't, you know, Mark, you can't pick your parents. You can't pick, you know, when you're, the date that you're going to be born, but you sh- can sure pick your, pick your friends. Yeah. And um, that, that's so important to me. It really is. And I often thought, you know, Mark, I, here I, I bought this magazine with the, on the cover of this, this car on the cover when I was 12 years old in a drugstore in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. And I often, I often wonder if the reality of building this car would match the imagination of building it. And I can honestly say it has. So. Well, I can't thank you enough. I mean, it's pioneers like you that bring back dreams like this and have faith in them. And then you add the craziness of Jeff Hacker and his inspiration <laughs> and drive. And uh, what a great combination. But we can't thank you enough. And, and again, listeners, I'll put... Links on Dennis's show notes page in the Cars yeah website. You can go. He sent me a great picture of the vehicle that's on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Thank you for uh, for doing what you're doing, for bringing back history and exposing it for people that weren't around way back when you and I were a little kid buying those uh, car books. You've done a marvelous job. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Okay. Thanks again. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.